Well, welcome back to the Shores Church Online. Great to be with you today as we are beginning a brand new series, the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at Daniel and seeing how in the first half of the book, there is an event, amazing adventure story that happens here of all the different things that Daniel encounters in his life. And then the back half of the book is really focused on visions and dreams of things that mattered then, but primarily matter in the context of Revelation, the things that are still going to play out. So it's an incredible book. I'm looking forward to studying it with you. Uh, let me just say before we dive any further that if you are watching and you've never subscribed to our uh, Facebook page, our YouTube channel, Spotify, however you're watching this, go ahead and do me the favor and subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of our future content. Like this message today if it speaks to you and share it with somebody who needs to hear this good news, this message that God is going to be sharing with you. If you know they need it, make sure you share it with them. Now, I want to give you some backstory as we dive into uh, the this, this story of Daniel, that Daniel was deported to Babylon when he was about 15 years old. Babylon had overtaken uh, the nation of Israel and came in and started deporting thousands of individuals who were young, smart, talented, gifted, because they wanted to assimilate them to their culture and then in turn be able to help assimilate the folk Jewish culture into Babylon. So Daniel is one of these individuals, same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. More on them in a little bit, and especially in a couple of weeks. Uh, but Daniel lives this nice long lifetime in Babylon, and ultimately in some other kingdoms too, as other kingdoms have come and, and taken over. He serves under different kings, and he really is used by God to accomplish some amazing things, but also share in um, the, the cipher dreams for, for kings. It's, it's an amazing story that we're going to be diving into. Now, in this time period, the, the kingdom uh, of Israel, it's, it's laid the waste, the temple is laid the waste, and there's the ability for saying, you know what, let's just throw in the towel. But ultimately, it's because the people started turning and following idols instead of following God that God allowed for this to happen so that with time, they would turn their eyes back to God. So that's kind of the, the foundation of what we're experiencing here in that God is basically promising that if you will follow after me, then one day I will bring you back. And we see that play out in books like Nehemiah. Uh, but for now, we are studying Daniel, so I'm excited to get into this. But before we go any further, would you go ahead and repeat after me, your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O oh Lord, is eternal. So let's go ahead and jump into Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read the whole chapter uh, today, so go ahead and read this with me. In the third year of the reign of Jerochim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jerochim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace 
and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. The first idea I want to pull out of this passage today is Daniel's resolve. Daniel's resolve. It, it, it was an important resolve. It was a matter that he made a decision of what he was going to do. Now, Here's the thing, if you're thinking of Nebuchadnezzar, you're thinking of Babylon, everything seemed like it was going smooth, that they were trying to assimilate the people until one teenager decided that he was not going to go along with the program. Now remember, Daniel is this young, up-and-coming, talented individual. In Babylon, this kingdom is trying to assimilate these people in. Their goal is to make them like they are that they're wanting you to follow our gods, learn our languages, learn our backstory. It's all this kind of information that they're trying to indoctrinate uh, Daniel and then his friends and all of the Israelites. But there's one moment in this passage, when we look at chapter uh, 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. This is a crucial event in his life that moves the, the needle uh, of the compass of his life and points him in a different direction. If he would have participated, he would have fit in like everybody else, but he wouldn't have fit into the plan that God has for him, that he wouldn't have been able to do the things that God had called him to do. Because he had this resolve of what was right and what was wrong, it changed his life. And for us, it seems kind of odd. That it's, you look at all the things that he had to interact with, that why is he picking the food? Why is the food the issue? You see, he had to make some important decisions every single day. The first one is that he had to make the decision to participate in the pagan education. Now, you can look at this and say, well, should he have been there? Should he have been learning? He 
knew that I can learn this information, but I can disregard this information. Secondly, he had to be called a pagan name, that each one of uh, uh, Daniel and, and his friends, they were given these different names. And even to this day, Daniel, we remember as Daniel, but we remember his three friends, not as their Jewish names, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But here's the thing that he realized, that the name could not define him. It's God who defined him. So Daniel uh, said, okay, you can call me what you want to call me, but I'm still Daniel. I'm still a child of God. This is not going to change who I am. But third, he had the option of eating the pagan food. And this is where he decided to draw the line. He realized that he could not escape what it represented. So he was willing to draw a hard line in the sand and say, you know what? I'm not going to cross this line. I'm not going to go any further. And this is the moment where his resolve kicked in. And I find it, it fascinating that he was so strong about this because it's a 15-year-old. Imagine how many 15-year-olds in your life that they can draw this hard of a line in the sand of like, I'm not doing that. That's wrong. That goes against what God has called me to do. I think a lot of adults struggle with that. But a 15-year-old realized in the face of the king in the face of a kingdom that I'm going to make this decision. So we have to ask ourselves now, why did Daniel refuse? Why did Daniel refuse to eat this food? And there's at least three problems with this food that was being served to him. The first problem is that it certainly wouldn't have been uh, prepared according to the kosher laws. That when we looked through, and we discussed this in our last series of How Not Through the Bible, that all these Levitical laws that were very relevant for Daniel, that the food would have been prepared a certain way, that it can only be certain types of food, that he would have had the most likely break uh, the law that God gave in order to participate in this food, and most of it would have been ritually unclean. So that was the first issue that he had. The second was that all of the wine and most of the meat would have been previously offered to pagan gods before he would have ate it. And now we see this play out in the New Testament, that as we enter the, the period of grace, that if it doesn't affect our consciousness. We're not worshiping the God in the process. Uh, it's okay for us to, but in this moment, that period of grace hasn't kicked in yet. Daniel knew that if he ate of it, what it represented. And so he made the choice for himself. I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to take something into me that will defile me. And then third, Daniel knew that sharing a meal at the king's table represented sharing the king's values. And he realized that this king does not uh, in this moment, he does not represent what my God represents, and I can't share those values. And it's interesting that this is something that we still struggle with today, is really trying to define that, like, when we sit and we share a meal with people, that so often it says, you know what, I identify with you, and sometimes it's a matter of, like, I just want to interact with you, I want to get to know you, but when you stack all this together, it basically says, you know what, if I'm going to eat the king's food, I'm going to eat from the king's table, then I'm falling into this assimilation process. Because when you look at his full story, the goal was to make him assimilate to the kingdom and to the king. And this is the moment where he said, you know what, I'm not going there. This is not something that I am willing to do. He was not willing to morally compromise on this issue. The interesting thing with this is the idea that you cannot corrupt a man or a woman from the outside. Things can happen to you, but your heart is what you need to protect. It's what you need to prevent from being corrupted. And Daniel was making this choice. You know what? You can change my name. You can try and give me some information, but you are not allowed to change my heart. The only one that my heart belongs to is God Almighty. And this is where he's at. This is where he's living. And I want to challenge you with something in this moment. 
Daniel was risking his life doing this. There's this moment where a lot of times we, we kind of have this imagery of like, well, that, that was a nice little stand he took. Really, like he could have been put to death for what he was doing. But he said that serving my God matters more than anything else that happens to me. I'm, I'm going to serve God. And in a couple of weeks when we start talking Daniel and the lion's said, you see the fact that this is Daniel's life story, that he's willing to put himself up time and time again, knowing my life might end, but I'm going to worship God. I am going to have a resolve that says that God is the most important thing to me. Church, I need to encourage you with something. In a world that keeps getting crazier and crazier, what are you resolving? Are you resolving to follow the word of God? Are you resolving to follow whoever makes your life more comfortable? We need to make that decision that I want to follow what God wants, even if it's not comfortable for me. Now, here's the next thing I want to pull out of this passage today, is that Daniel didn't make excuses. There were no excuses for Daniel. He knew that here's right, here's wrong, and I'm going to do what's right, even though it's not going to likely be popular, even though it's not going to be easy. You see, it would have been very easy in this moment to, to say, they brought us in here. They're the ones who are housing us. They're feeding us. They're, they're doing all this. And everybody else is doing it. And the, the people that I care about that educated me uh, back in, in Israel, that they're not with us right now. And nobody's going to really know if I'm eating the food or not. It'd be so easy to make these excuses. And today we do this. It's a matter of nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to see. Uh, nobody is going to judge me. So I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to take this uh, this workaround. I'm going to the cheat here. I'm going to lie there. I'm going to just take this even though it really technically is stealing. But Daniel didn't make these excuses. He had a resolve and he was not looking for a way to justify his behavior, but he decided to behave the exact way that God wanted him to. His mind was made up. Nobody could decide for him, but he was going to do what he knew to be the right thing to do. And that leads me kind of back to the point that we made earlier, that the Babylonians, they could change everything about him, his diet, his location, his education, his language, his name, but they could not change his heart. He was not willing to make excuses for what was going on, but I'm going to do what God Almighty has called me to do, and you can do what you want to me, but it's not going to change who I am. Why? Because his heart belongs to God. And when your heart truly belongs to God, you can go anywhere and face any situation or circumstance, and you're going to be okay. You can even live in Babylon, you can live in captivity, and you're going to be fine because your body might be in Babylon, but your heart is in heaven. And so the question for all of us today is, where is your heart? Is your heart with God or is your heart in this world? Because if your heart is in this world, it's going to be hurt. It's going to be broken. It's going to be trampled on. But if your heart is with God, no matter what comes against you, it's not going to prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper because God is with you. The worst thing that somebody can do to you is destroy your body. And if they can't destroy your body, they're just going to give you a better testimony to share with someone else. That leads us to the next point. The next idea that happens is Daniel's 10-day miracle diet, his fast that comes into play. This is where the idea of the Daniel fast comes of no meats and sweets, that basically he's eating vegetables and drinking water. Basically saying, you know what, I can't eat that, I can't eat that, I can't drink that, so just give me the veggies and give me the water and I'm going to be okay. And this is kind of that idea is that I believe that God's going to take care of me, that God's going to uh, help me survive, he's going to give me the, the energy that I need, I'm going to be okay. And Daniel presents this idea, and the guard that's kind of taking care of the, the four of them, 
basically said, well, why should I do this? Because I'm going to be at risk now. Daniel says, let me do it for 10 days. If I don't look uh, healthy in 10 days, if we, the four of us don't look healthy in 10 days, then you can go ahead and you can uh, make us uh, eat the regular food. That time period passes and they are as strong as ever. There's an interesting thing though, there's a couple of things that he brings up in how he presents this idea. The first, he was tactful in the way that he spoke. So often when we want to get our way, we're aggressive in the way that we speak and we're trying to tell the other person why they're wrong instead of being tactful and listening and being respectful. He simply made a reasonable request. The second thing is he was obedient in following the chain of command. He didn't try and jump the person that was taking care of him. He went to the person who was directly over him and asked for permission to do this. The third thing is his request, again, it was reasonable. He wasn't saying, well, you need to go and get this for me or you need to get this type of meat for me. It was just saying, you know what, can we try this for 10 days and just give me vegetables. Give me something that's already in the house, but I, I need it to not be this meat. I need it to not be this wine that's being offered to the idols. So give me something that's not offered to idols that's easily accessible. And then the fourth thing, it was very easy to evaluate. It wasn't something that would be a difficult thing. It was, let us eat this way for 10 days and then look at the four of us and look at everybody else. And if we look at least on par with them, let us keep doing this. That if we don't look on par with them, then okay, the plan didn't work. And that ultimately what we realize is that while some of us, myself included, I like a good steak, I like a good T-bone steak, that he could have been eating the T-bone steak at the king's table, but instead he decided to be eating at the... Uh, the salad bar, and he ended up looking healthier than all of the rest. All four of them ended up looking healthier than all the rest. And that God blesses those who make up their mind to honor him. Which brings us to the next point is Daniel is rewarded. The story really in chapter one comes to the end on a very positive note. We're going to see a lot of craziness in, in uh, chapters to come and through Daniel's life. But chapter one really ends on a pretty positive note. We discover that God honors those who honor him. And in this case, the reward came very quickly. That Let me just even read this again to you. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them and among all of them, None were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azirah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about what the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. We see the fact that because they're willing to do what God has called them to do, God gives them wisdom, gives them knowledge, gives them abilities, that Daniel has this ability to uh, decipher and understand dreams. All of this stuff is given to them because God realizes, okay, I can trust you in the little, so I can trust you with more, and I'm going to raise up your abilities and your opportunities in this kingdom. I'm going to use you. And so they were rewarded for doing the right thing. But let me do a flip here. I can't just say that and say, hey, if you do the right thing, you're always going to be rewarded. Because there's individuals around the world today that are doing the right thing and standing up for the word of God. And they're finding themselves in prison. They're finding themselves being martyred. And we can look at it in the, the short term. It feels like, well, they're getting punished. No, ultimately, they're going to get their heavenly reward. And the reward we're going to get in heaven is greater than any reward we're going to get here. But we can say this with full confidence, that if we are faithful to do what God has called us to do, that ultimately we will receive that heavenly reward one day and God will give it to us. We might get it here, on, uh, some of it here on earth, 
but we will definitely get it in heaven if we are faithful to do that which God has called us to do. That the amazing thing with this is they're able to surpass all the Jewish contemporaries and the Babylonians, that they have the ability of recalling all this knowledge and language and everything, but the beautiful thing is that their hearts are not changed. Their hearts are still following after God. They have the knowledge, they have the language, they have the lingo, but the heart still belongs to God, and that's what you and I need to focus on today. And here's the thing that I want you to, to, to realize is that we need to... In, Notice this order of, of importance of how this plays out. First, the decision is made to stand up for what they believe in. God's not going to reward you before you start standing up for what you believe in and what God is calling you to. Second, after they do that, God honors the decision. And then third, God then gives them the wisdom and the understanding. We can hardly ask God to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and all these different things if we're not living in obedience. You start taking the first steps towards obedience, watch as God begins giving you exactly what you need. But if you're not going to do what he's already called you to do, then why would he tell you to do more? He's going to want you to, to follow and do what you're called to do. Daniel and his friends do that very thing in chapter one, and we see that opportunities and doors begin opening for them to do incredible things in this kingdom in this time period. So I've got a few lessons that I want you to, to hear, I want you to, to learn as we go to close in just a moment. The first is, that, is this, the world continually tries to reprogram us into different ways of thinking. When we look at our world today, it's very easy to see a world that's trying to force us to be different. Just like Daniel and his friends and the, the Israelites that were brought in, they're trying to be forced into being different. But... But the beautiful thing is we can make that decision to say, you know what, even though the world's trying to do this, even though I might have to acquire some knowledge and some understanding, the world can't change my heart. They can change where I am. They can change uh, the language I have to speak, the name that I'm called. But my heart belongs to, to Jesus Christ. Jesus is in my heart. I am following after God Almighty. The second thing is this, is that we must make up our minds in advance to be loyal to God. It's very difficult, if not impossible, to make up your mind in the moment where something bad is going on. You've got to make up your mind now that I'm going to follow after God no matter what happens. Even if it makes me unpopular, I'm willing to do what's right. That way, when something comes up against me, I can stand in, in the face of it and say, you know what? I'm not going to live that way because that is not who I am. I am a child of God and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And I've already made up my mind, just like Daniel made up his mind. Number three is that we must know our limits and uh, not do what we know is wrong. It's this idea of like, I know how far I'm willing to go. But when I get to that line, I cannot cross that line. Other people may, but I may not. I cannot cross that line into disobedience. And for each and every one of us, what I want you to understand is there's some definite uh, line in the sand things when it comes to the Bible of this is right, this is wrong. But there's moments with personal convictions that God might give you a conviction that he doesn't give me, and he might give me a conviction that he doesn't give you. And it doesn't mean it's a sin issue, but God has called me to do life a particular way. And he's called you to do life a particular way. And what's uh, would be disobedience for you might be uh, obedience for me and vice versa. But if God has called me to draw this line in the sand, I know that this is my limit. I can do everything up to that limit, but I am not crossing into that line of disobedience. I want you to realize uh, something. I, I read this, this little story about a 400-year-old tree this week. It's a redwood tree, this massive tree that all of a sudden toppled to the forest floor. And you can look at it. What would topple a 400-year-old redwood tree? 
Was there lightning? Was there a strong wind? And what they found is that these tiny little beetles had got in under the bark and began eating the fibers away from the tree. And although it looked healthy on the outside, it was sick on the inside and it was virtually hollow. And one day it finally collapsed. You see, things can happen on the outside, but it's what's on the inside that determines that true health and that true stability. And so let me encourage you with this. The one that knows your heart is God in you and that you could present a strong face to me but if you're not right with God and that there's little things that you're allowing into your life that will attack you that will destroy you you got to get rid of them because they're going to hollow you out just like those beetles did to that tree and eventually it's going to collapse it's going to fall apart it's not going to be able to, to stand on its own anymore so let me encourage you set that line in the sand that God has called you to and do not cross it and number four is this that godly convictions yield God-given rewards. Godly convictions yield the God-given rewards that so often we can, we can look at and say, well, I want the rewards. Well, if you want the rewards, then you need to follow the convictions that God has placed in your life. That God protected Daniel and while, while he was in the test, he prospered Daniel in the test and after the test, and God promoted Daniel in the eyes of the king and gave him opportunities because he was willing to obey. He followed the God convictions, so he got the God-given rewards. Sometimes we get those God-given rewards immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit, and sometimes we may not receive them until heaven. But ultimately, if we follow the convictions, the God-given rewards will come with it. I want to pray for you right now that if you are going through a test, Daniel was going through a test here, and you might be going through a test similar that you have something, a workplace, a family member, something that is forcing you to try and um, follow along, trying to do what uh, they want you to do, maybe some other test that you're facing. I want to pray just like Daniel that you'll have the power and the ability to stand underneath that test and follow the convictions that God has placed on you so that you are able to come out on the other side having done everything that God has called you to do. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends that just like Daniel, if they're facing a test, a trial right now, and they're in the midst of a horrible situation or a challenging situation or a, a testing moment of their life, that you would come alongside them and you would equip them to do every good work that you have called them to do. Lord, that you would make your convictions so obvious to them and that they would be willing to follow that which you have called them to do. And they would resolve it in their mind, just like Daniel. They would resolve it in advance so that they would follow your kingdom and not their kingdom or this world's kingdom. And that they would receive that God-given reward, whether it's immediate and it's an opportunity to advance, or maybe it's five years from now or 10 years from now because they were willing to obey now. It opens up a door later on. Or maybe it's not until we get to heaven one day. But Lord... I pray that as they follow your convictions, that they would receive the rewards that you have for them for doing what you have called them to do. Lord, I pray that over them. Lord, that you would be with them this week as they face the challenges and they face the situations that they're up against. In Jesus' incredible name, amen. Would you go ahead and repeat with me as we close today's message? We're going to say the Great Commission together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I hope you got something out of this message today from Daniel chapter 1. Make sure for next week you read Daniel chapter 2. If you are watching on YouTube, following on Facebook, streaming on Spotify, subscribe and make sure you like this video. Comment on it. Let us know what point jumped out to you. And if it 
would apply to someone in your life, share it with them. Let them hear this message. Let them hear the good news of how God can give you convictions that will lead you to God, give him rewards as you do what he's called you to do. Have a fantastic week, and I will catch you in the next message. Thank you.